For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jen Mueller, who covers the Seattle Seahawks, actually the Seahawks sideline reporter, up in Seattle about week four against the San Francisco 49ers, the first division game for the 49ers and the first division game for the Seahawks, who lost a tough one to the Minnesota Vikings last weekend, 30-17. to They break out for 75 rushing yards in the first half. Chris Carson, just 80 total is what he finishes with. There was some chatter from the defensive side of the ball and also the offense not clicking at all in the second half. All things we can talk about with Jen Mueller, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, September 29th. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast Jen Mueller. She's, of course, the Seahawks sideline reporter. You can also see her on Sportsnet Northwest up there in Seattle. Jen, how are you? I am well. Uh, well, I guess as well as I can be after that Seahawks game on Sunday, right? Yeah, right. And uh, and I should correct myself. It's Root Sports Northwest, correct? I said Sportsnet. It is Root Sports, yes. All right, up at Root Sports. Anybody in the great Northwest looking to check you out. So how's the vibe around the Seahawks right now? I mean, we're looking around. We all kind of knew this NFC West was likely to be the toughest division in football. The L.A. Rams look like nobody's going to stop them. They've got a game against the Cardinals this week, who are also 3-0. The 49ers have had their injury problems, but have escaped a couple of games. They're 2-1 and after a tough loss to Green Bay. What's the take on the fourth-place Seattle Seahawks right now? You know what? It is frustration. Frustration is probably the best way to describe what's going on in that locker room. And really, just kind of baffling. There is far too much talent on this team to be where they are and to have lost games in the way that they have. It is unlike Pete Carroll coach teams and Russell Wilson quarterback teams to lose double-digit leads and to not be able to generate much of anything in the second half of games. And I think that there were so many unanswered questions on both sides of the ball on Sunday with disbelief, frustration, and and just, you know, confusion over what was going on. So let's start with the defensive side of the ball. And when you talk about confusion or you talk about kind of a disconnect, I look to the comments from Trey Flowers after the game who said basically that this system's not working, that maybe he needs to play outside of the system to get himself uh, in position to make plays and said he sometimes feels like operating outside of that system or in the gray area uh, would help him do what he needs to do. Is that a shot at the defensive schematics? Is Pete Carroll not on the same page as his team? It looked like there was a lot of chatter, a lot of barking at each other on the field, which is never something you want to see at the NFL level. Yeah, all the guys addressed that kind of chatter on the field after the game and said, look, we have got to keep our frustrations internal. It does not help to start barking at each other. That doesn't improve execution. When Pete Carroll met with the media on Monday, he said he was not in agreement with what both Trey Flowers and DJ Reed had said after the game about confusion and miscommunication. The one thing I will point out is that the Seahawks were without their normal passing game coordinator on defense. He missed the game on Sunday, so they brought one of the coaches down from the booth to be on the field, Deshaun Shedd, who was a former player who played in the system under Pete Carroll. And while Deshaun is an extremely talented player, some of the guys did say, look, we missed that continuity down there. Not that it was Deshaun's fault by any stretch, but I do think they were missing their normal flow of communication on Sunday. How much of that played into Trey's comments? I'm not sure. But look, you've got a defense that Pete Carroll says they want to attack, but it doesn't look like that's what they're doing on game day. So I would expect that we are going to get more answers on that the deeper we go into this week. 
Well, and you're talking Andre Curtis, of course. His absence impacted, uh, like, he's the, the defensive passing game coordinator, and they got shredded through the air. Uh, Justin Jefferson had a huge game against them. Obviously, Kirk Cousins had a great game. Jefferson, I think, nine catches in that game and route to the 30-17 win over Seattle. So is that the way, and not that I've got, you know, some direct bat line to Kyle Shanahan, but is that the way to beat the Seahawks right now? Is it doing it through the air? I do think that if you looked at the Seahawks, even before the season started, you would say that secondary had the most amount of questions, right? There was questions about how Jamal Adams was going to be used. There was questions about the cornerbacks and how they were going to use their nickel corner in that scheme. I, I don't think it's a surprise that teams would want to attack the Seahawks through the air. I mean, that, that was going to be their weakest link going into the year. I do think that those guys all had bad days at the same time. The corners did not play particularly well. The nickel didn't play particularly well. There was miscommunication with the safeties. I think that just looking at last week, there was a lot of guys that did not have their best games. I don't know that that is indicative of everything that's going to happen, but absolutely, I would expect the 49ers to get after that secondary. Why wouldn't you, given what you've seen? Of course, having said that, that front seven hasn't generated much of a pass rush either. There should be more pressure on quarterbacks, and, and we just haven't seen it the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you hear 49er fans, I think a collective groan across the Bay Area here or an exhale thinking, oh boy, it's going to be another 40 passes from Jimmy Garoppolo who marched him downfield at the end of the game on Sunday Night Football just before they leave 37 seconds on the clock and Aaron Rodgers comes back and beats him. But as far as the offense for the Seahawks goes, let's switch gears a little bit here. Russell Wilson, pretty good game, 23-32, 298 and one touchdown. QB rating wasn't the best for this game. But I'm wondering, Shane Waldron, there was a lot of talk about him over the offseason, the whole let Russ cook. Are we going to go to the air more? You've got big targets in DK Metcalf, who finally uh, had a big game on Sunday, six catches for 107. Tyler Lockett didn't have as big of a game, and I think he got banged up a little bit uh, in that uh, in that one on Sunday. What do you make of the offense? What do you make of how the team has accepted this offense? Chris Carson broke out to, uh, and obviously the, the makeup of the game changed in the second half, but I think he had 75 yards in the first half and finished with 80 yards total. What's the makeup of the offense right now? How has it been adapted to by these players, and what would you say the strengths and weaknesses are three games in if you look at the opening drives in minnesota last week that offense was executed to perfection they executed on third down they moved the ball down the field there was a nice mix of run and pass there were short passes there were long passes dk metcalf accounted for 54 of the 75 yards on that drive i mean it just looked easy they were moving the ball down the field that is what this offense should look like the strength is there are more options for Russell Wilson on every single play. You can get Gerald Everett more involved as a tight end on some of those short and intermediate routes. You should have some guys open downfield and able to take advantage of their speed. And then you've got Chris Carson, where even if you don't want to run him up the middle, he's got great hands and you can use him out there to catch some passes or to do some fly sweeps. That's the advantage. There are more options. There's a little bit more freedom for everybody within the system, meaning wide receivers need to get to their spot on the field. They have the freedom to get there however they want to, right? Like as long as they are on the same page as Russell Wilson, just get there. We'll make this thing work. What happened in the second half was they didn't have any possessions. They didn't convert a third down after that opening quarter. They had the ball for seven plays in the third quarter, and they couldn't move it very far. They, the time of possession was way out of whack in the second half, and they just couldn't find their rhythm again. Now, again, there were a lot of questions right after the game as to what was that. And Dwayne Brown, the left tackle, said late in the game, 
they weren't on the same page. Here's the tricky part with this offense. It is very intricate in how they call plays and where you need to be on every play. And I do think some of what we saw is growing pains of making sure that everybody is hearing the same thing. They understand what's going on. It doesn't surprise me that we would see that a little bit in the first few weeks of the season, but it's frustrating when you know it's there and you have an opening drive like they did, but they can't replicate that the rest of the game. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. What's so funny is, is how many teams out of the NFC West have been Super Bowl contenders over the last, I don't know, 10 years. And even in that span, it has felt like, well, it's the Seahawks division. You get the runs from the Rams and they're doing it again. You get the runs from the 49ers. Obviously, the Cardinals have been kind of rebuilding for some time, but it has felt like it's the Seahawks division. However, offensively, they appear to be, I don't want to say behind the times of an elite quarterback in Russell Wilson, but do you think that in bringing in Waldron, they felt that they needed more of an offensive schematic that aligned with something like a Sean McVay, like a Kyle Shanahan, like a Cliff Kingsbury, even where you can get into these shootouts and you can come out on top. Yeah. And I just think that it utilizes all the weapons that you have. You know, you brought in tight ends like Gerald Everett, who can be more of that pass catching tight end that Seattle has not utilized. And gosh, the entire time I've covered the team, which is now 13 years, right? I, I think that having Shane Waldron's offense utilizes the talent that you have on this team better. Of course, you have to be executing and getting those yards. So whether the Seahawks thought they were behind the times or not, I I just think it's about utilizing the talent. The one thing I'm going to say is for everybody who went to the let Russ cook kind of mantra and throw the ball more, and you saw it with Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes last weekend, right, in the last couple of weekends, it is great to get long completions down the field. You have to be able to run the ball. You have to control the clock. The Seahawks could not do that two weeks ago. They scored too quickly. Pete said, look, we couldn't get into an offensive rhythm. You couldn't find your offensive rhythm against Minnesota. That is considered antiquated and old school. I'm telling you, if you do not get your running backs involved, it is a long season and and you're not going to find the end zone or keep the defense off the field like you should. I mean, obviously, all division games are important. A rivalry game with the 49ers is important, but they've got a couple of tough ones here, back-to-back divisional games uh, do the Seahawks. I'm wondering, are we overstating? This happens every couple of years, it seems like, with Pete Carroll, and I know he's a rah-rah guy, and I know that to the media, he's. Uh, it seems to me like he's, he's good with the media, but at times he gets a little dry. There was the off-season stuff a little bit with he and Russ, but I wonder, does he have that college thing going where guys sour on him, and that's where we start talking about cohesion? Does the message get stale, or are we overstating? that too much you think oh I don't think that that's the issue and I do think you're right this is a huge game the Seahawks can't afford to lose games early in the season when you've already got division opponents that are three and oh and they're sitting two games back and you're right it is two back-to-back division games because after the 49ers the Seahawks are going to get the Rams on a short week and that is going to be a really tough matchup Pete's optimism and positivity don't confuse that for him not being able to hold guys accountable Right, What he says in the media and the discipline that he has to stay positive, first of all, he is an optimistic person. Do not think that he is happy with everything that he's seeing on the field or that he doesn't know how how to get after guys. Right, That's two different things. Pete knows what needs to be done. They're, They're having some meetings this week, for sure. And I think that he is still a very, very talented and well-respected coach in that locker room. 
you don't have as many wins as he does and you don't go to as many Super Bowls or, or compete for uh, for that many division crowns without having a message that gets through. I'm with you. Jen, we appreciate having you on. It's always fun talking football. I know you got a, a busy Seattle Mariners week, right? Covering up the Mariners as they wrap up their season this week, right? It's a busy sports week, but you know what? We wouldn't have it any other way this time of year. How fun is that? We get uh, actually we got basketball around the corner too. We're going basketball, we're going and football hockey. and baseball. And hockey's right here too. How about the Kraken? Are you doing anything with them? Yes, I will be traveling with them and uh, brushing up on some hockey knowledge and and getting a chance to cover a different sport. So that'll be fun. Oh, that's fantastic, Jen. Without question, we'll get you on to talk some uh, some Kraken hockey when we get closer to the uh, the start of the regular season and definitely when they take on the Sharks for the first time here in the Bay Area. Great talking to you. We'll catch up with you down the road. Sounds good. Oh, great stuff from Jen Mueller. Very cool, by the way, that she's going to be doing stuff with the Seattle Kraken. Of course, the newest franchise in the NHL getting going this season. That'll be a whole lot of fun. And this is a big weekend for the 49ers, maybe an even bigger weekend for the Seattle Seahawks. They cannot continue to lose ground to either the Arizona Cardinals or the L.A. Rams. The Rams look like the team to beat atop the NFC West after bowling over the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers last weekend. Thank you to Jen. Thank you to my producer, Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports, and there are a lot of good ones. Warrior training camp now underway. They have their first preseason game next Monday night. The Giants going to wrap up the season later this week. Uh, this weekend, actually, we'll find out whether or not they're division winners or whether or not they're taking on the St. Louis Cardinals in that wild card game next Wednesday. They could, of course, be opening the NL Division Series next Friday. All that in the days and weeks ahead. Until Friday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.